Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Danny's Diary, the podcast powered by Singing News Magazine. I'm your host, Danny Jones. It is an honor to be with you today. It is also an honor to have a longtime friend as my guest, and I'm talking about Pat Barker, the multi-talented bass vocalist of the Guardians. Pat, welcome aboard. God bless you, Danny. Oh, my goodness. He's already in it. He's already in it. All right. That was my one. I won't do it again. That okay. was my one. Pat Barker has become a, uh, a very well-loved individual in gospel music. He has a zest for life that you can't really put into one word. Uh, but uh, he's also a pretty decent singer, too. And, uh, Pat, your your history in southern gospel music um, – it's been quite an incredible journey. It has been an unbelievable journey. And honestly, you know, I I, uh, I didn't really know Southern Gospel existed. I didn't know the quartet world existed till I was, you know, 13, 14 years old. My dad loved it. And um, I was more really into, like, classical music. I was into that guy. I took piano. Um, and, guys, if y'all can hear the cameras going off, it, I, I've gotten used to it, okay, that they follow me everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's just for insurance purposes. Oh, okay. That's all. <laughs> I knew something was awry. Um, and Daddy said, "Y'all want you to hear this." So he played me a, a Blackwood Brothers album live on stage with the Blackwood Brothers, and I loved it. I fell in love with it. And uh, so he took me to my first concert, which was the Masters Five wow. in Anniston, Alabama. JD and Hovey and Jake and all the guys. And I sat there, thirteen years old. And I could not believe I'd never seen anything like that. I'd never heard a crowd laugh like that. I'd never seen people that emotionally drawn to a song. I mean, I had just I'd never seen people perform in that way. I'd never seen a bus that big. I mean, everything just kind of fell into place for me to absolutely fall in love with it that day. And I knew um, sitting in that pew when I grow old, I want to step off of a bus wearing a suit, and be adored by 70-year-old women everywhere. <laughs> and God has given me the desires of my heart, Danny. Where do we go from there? Uh, our it's, engineer, Troy true. Peach, is over there in the floor. Like I'm not sure what we do he's now. He's shaking his head, though. Yes, it's, he we're is. only two minutes in. And and we're only two minutes in, head, and though. we've lost control. <laughs> All right, uh, but let's go back. Uh, uh, from the first time that you realized this is what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. You finally had the opportunity to do that with? I did. You know, it was a high school group, actually. They're called Heart's Desire. We did a cassette there in the fellowship hall of the church, and we would go to churches locally, and we sang. And and I was with a group called the Crystal River Boys out of the church again a little later on. But really, the first group I stepped on a bus and I traveled and sang was with the Diplomats. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people know the Diplomats and the Pearsons, and that was really my first chance to meet groups like the Florida Boys and the King and the inspiration and some of these people I had listened to for so long and now I'm getting to sing on the stage the stage with them and and I get to meet them and get to hear their stories and I just knew I said this is it this is what I'm going to do and I just set my cap towards it I prayed in that direction I studied in that direction Um, I would sit in the back and watch the audience react to Jim Hamill and I'd see how they react to Ray Dean I'd see uh, what all was happening with Archie and uh, who's laughing who's not what's working what's not and I really did just I studied it and fell in love with it and got to know every part of it that I could so that when I had the chance to really get out there full time 
and do it with the Dixie Echoes. That was really the first get out there 200 days a year, and this is all you're going to do. I was ready. I felt like I was ready. Still had a lot to learn. I still have a lot to learn. Um, But to go from the Dixie Echoes and then into Mark Trammell, came off the road for a little while, and now, of course, with the Guardians, like you said, and have had a chance to sing with just about every hero I have ever had. It's just been an amazing journey. Right, and you can't forget uh, you've also uh, sang as a, uh, a member of the Second Half Quartet. Absolutely, the Second Half Quartet. Which cathedral, is the closest thing reunion. you could uh, be uh, part of the cathedrals. Yeah, you, you know, it was funny. I um, When I was 17, uh, Greater Vision was just getting started. They were still in an RV. They were singing at a church in Plum Springs, Alabama. My aunt was the choir director and the piano player. And she said, this group called Greater Visions coming. Do you want to sing a couple to open up for them? And I couldn't believe it. I said, well, sure, I know exactly who you're talking about. They'd only been together a couple months, but I knew them from the cathedrals, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure I sat there and sang every five-minute ballad I had um, in my arsenal. And they sat there on the front row, and then I got to sit there and watch them sing um, all of their great songs from those early years. And I said – God, if I could just sing one song with them. Like I was thinking, God, just let them call me up and sing one song. I was I was singing along with everything. I was smiling, and I thought, you know, they've got to call me up, surely. And they didn't. And then 20 years later uh, in Marion, Illinois, I'm sitting backstage, and I'm watching those same men, Mark, Gerald, and Chris, do a reunion. And Gerald looks over to the side and, and waves me on. I, I didn't see it coming. I didn't know it was going to happen. And we did wedding music. And right in the middle of that song, it hit me. It took 20 years, but, but in God's perfect time, they called me up, and there I was singing with that group 20 years later. And then it became the second half quartet. And you were there that night yeah, when all that happened. That was uh, quite a night. You were a big reason we got to start doing that. It was your video that uh, went viral, you know, as right. they say, and uh, allowed people all over the world to see it. And uh, one of the neat things uh, that I remember about that evening was this. Uh, you know, after the video got posted, uh, and the video was actually of the prodigal son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the neat things about that was that was totally off the cuff. Absolutely. No one, including yourself, right. knew what was coming. Mm-mm. And uh, we even had several uh comments on facebook and email said well no obviously they planned that no, no i can i can assure you they didn't plan it because if, if you'll look very closely you've got four guys on the front line feeding each other the oh, words yeah, looking yeah at you each don't other. you don't plan that part i had never sung it i didn't know the harmonies uh, mark during rodney solo was trying to hum the harmonies mm-hmm. to me i missed every one of them but at least he tried to hum them to me um rodney's looking we're in a different key than we started doing it later on i mean it to us it sounded like a train wreck uh but it caught on and people loved the spontaneity they loved the fact that we were really having fun up there mm-hmm. singing and it i think it just brought back a lot of great memories for right. people it, it did and uh, encore was called at night yeah. by the audience that's I, right it wasn't a forced <laughs> yeah. encore and that just made it that much better. You yeah. Know, by by the encore, the groove, everybody had kind of gotten to the groove, so it really started to gel. And then for the next several years, uh, you know, uh, an appearance here, an appearance there, just kind of 
carried that uh, that special memory mm-hmm. of a quartet and, and those classic quartet songs that uh, anybody who lived in that era knows it was very special. It and, was. and you brought back great memories for that time. Uh, now, did you ever do anything other than sing? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I had a lot of jobs to pay for my singing habit. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just run down the list. Yeah, I was, a, I was a janitor at an Applebee's. I also waited tables and worked the kitchen. I did a lot at the Applebee's. Uh, I baked bagels at the New York bagel shop there in uh, Oxford, Alabama. Um, I did some radio things. I was a computer um, salesman uh, for a trucking company. Um, I... Uh, <laughs> What else? I uh, cleaned churches. I cooked uh, a lot of different things like Wednesday night cooking uh, at different churches, um, a choir director at several churches. Um, I was a school photographer uh, for about five years. I would go into schools and uh, shoot pictures. That's of- almost scary for some reason. <laughs> There's just something about that. It's just not, well, it's just not one right. Time, this one time. So I have my – I'm going to shoot a – a musical these kids at a middle school are doing a musical you know so it was real good so i've just got to go in there and shoot pictures for the annual and then get out of there you know as quick as i can and uh so i've got my case in my hand and uh, i go walking up the steps gadsden alabama i go walking in security guard says um what you doing and i'm using photographer language i said i got to go in and shoot these kids and then i'm gonna head right out and i've got that case in my hand <laughs> he said i'm sorry what i said Seriously, I've got to get in there. I'm just going to shoot a few kids, and then I'm going to get out of there. And he said, I need you to open that up. I had to open the case. I had to pull everything out. He had to take my cameras apart. <laughs> and it never did hit me. And, you know, I mean, that, that shows how much our times have changed <laughs> in recent years. Who would crazy. have ever thought I know. I was just uh, using the double my... <laughs> meaning there? <laughs> so I was shortly fired after that, and, and then I moved into singing. <laughs> And we've been stuck with you ever yes, since. absolutely. <laughs> okay. Our guest today is Pat Barker of The Guardians. We've got a lot more to talk with Pat about. Uh, but in the meantime, I want to remind you to keep up with Southern Gospel Music. You need the Singing News Magazine coming to your home each and every month. You can call 800-527-5226 or visit singingnews.com. Follow the subscribe links, and you too will be in the know everything Southern Gospel Music. You might even see Pat Barker in the Singing News magazine along the way. Now, Pat, you have a long, long respect for bass singers and Southern gospel music. Now, when you were a kid and really starting to get interested in Southern gospel music, did you want to sing bass or did you envision yourself singing another part? I did not. I was singing tenor. I was actually singing. I had a very high voice. I sang in the girls' chorus up until I was 16. My voice didn't change until I was uh, you know, Were you the only boy old. in the girls' course? I was course. the only boy in the girls' course, which worked out great for me. Um, Got a lot of phone <laughs> numbers. Is that what you're saying? Wow. But I was listening to Danny Funderburg, and I was listening to Kirk Talley. I was listening to the tenors. Um, I was listening to Bill Shaw and Steve Warren, and I was listening to all of these singers learning their parts. I was singing for what earthly reason. I was, you know, doing all the tenor solos, and then – Honestly, I mean, 16 years old, there was about a two- or three-week period in the summer, and my voice just dropped, and it angered me. 
uh, greatly because I wanted to sing like Danny Funderburg. Not that that would have ever happened. That's what I wanted. And so when my voice changed, I had a dear friend in Oxford, Alabama named Phil Waits. He had a little recording studio in his basement. And so what we did was we got all of those records and uh, cassettes that I had, and he let me sing along with the bass singers so that I could try to learn their parts, learn their inflections. Um, Even on like Live in Atlanta, he would let me talk along with George so that I could get his speaking down. I mean, there was I worked hard to figure out how to sing bass because, again, I knew this is what I'm supposed to do. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to study it. I'm going to do it the best that that God will allow me to do it. And so um, I did that for a long time, and I still, to this day, I'll get on YouTube um, listening to all of those great singers. I listen to Rex and Brock and uh, Rusty and you name it, um, Chief, John Hall, and George, of course, was, was always my favorite. What do you think is the biggest takeaway that you've learned from that collective pool of talent, what, and I don't necessarily mean you know vocal inflection or our technique. What is something that you can say that they all had a hand in greatly influencing you as a person? Um, gosh, that's a great question. I got something different from every one of them. People will come up to me at the table and say. You remind me of, and I've heard 50 different people, and that's because I have listened to 50 different people and tried to get a little bit from each of them. I learned how to um, act on stage from George, but I learned how to carry myself from Rex. I learned how to do a solo and try to present a lyric uh, from Rusty. I learned how to be kind behind the table from Brock. Um, I learned longevity from Ray Dean. I, I picked up something from all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they all collectively had one thing in common, they were all unbelievably kind to me for no reason at all. Uh, I was a little punk kid coming up to the table, bugging them, and every one of them treated me like I was very important. And so I try to do that. Uh, now I fail because sometimes I'm just not in the mood. And, and I catch myself. Mm-hmm. But I try to do that uh, with anyone that comes up because they're the reason I get to sing every night. Uh, right. God is the reason I sing, but they're the ones who pay the bills. They're the ones who give in the offerings. They're the ones who buy the, the stuff. They're the ones who bring us food to eat. They're the ones who pray for us. So um, I, I learned to be kind no matter what. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people – you know, this is said in, in thousands of radio interviews every day. Unless you've done this, you don't understand. You really don't understand that this is not just 30 minutes of singing. Right. The 30 minutes of singing is probably actually the easiest of right. everything that's involved. And some days it's very hard to walk on a platform with a smile and being focused on your job because of real life gets in the way. And uh, you certainly know that, uh, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Sure. But you mentioned that you've that you picked up something from this individual and this individual. Who do you think has had the greatest impact in gospel music uh, overall? I mean, if, if and it doesn't necessarily have to be a bass singer, but if you could say that is the 
walking definition of gospel music, who would you who would you tag as that? Oh my goodness, I don't know if I could narrow it down to one. Honestly, um, I think James and JD in those early days were huge for gospel music. They're the reason that it went global. If you ask me, um, I think Gaither is an unbelievable influence in our industry with the videos and all of that. And then now I look at men like Mark Trammell. I look at Gerald Wolf. I look at men who have paid their dues for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and they are still consistently doing it at a very high level. Um, I look at those men now as the um, definition. If I'm going to look it up, mm-hmm. I'm going to see their faces uh, next to the definition of what traditional gospel music really is. Let me put you on the spot here, and um, we'll only hold you to this for as long as this podcast is preserved. <laughs> I think that's forever. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, if you were uh, – who, who is, in your opinion, who do you think is the next rising major artist in gospel music? Oh, it'd have to be me. Wow. Okay. Um, if I'm going to just be— We saw that one coming, didn't I'm, we, Troy? <laughs> yes, we did. Well, that was telegraphed. I don't want to be accused of lying, boys. <laughs> um, okay. You let's, know, let's try it for real, then. I would say um, the one I am really the most excited to watch and see what happens would be Habedank. I love what Joseph's doing. Um, I'm a huge Joseph fan. Um and, and I, I can't wait to see what happens with him. So naturally, he's the target of most of your, yes, of your jabs and practical Anything jokes. I can do to take him down, um, <laughs> <laughs> I do it. Him and Eric Bennett, yeah, if I can. <laughs> and and, and that's the, that is one of the pros of Facebook, just uh, watching Pat Barker. Be Pat Barker, uh, and and it's just and and you know this. I mean, there are some people who think, oh man, he is really serious about this stuff. The fact of the matter is, he's really helping promote them. Yes, he really I, is. I when when Joseph and I were were going against each other together in the soloist category, I wanted Joseph to win. Um, I, I wasn't doing that much solo work. The other people on that list were doing way more than I was. I just got on there for my looks. And mm. so mm. I wanted Joseph to win, and I thought, you know, what's the best way to push him forward is to make him a, a victim. People love the victim. They love the, you know, the downtrodden. And, of course, he's far superior to me in um, most categories. But I thought if I can just push him for it, I, I really want to see him go somewhere. And he has. He's gone to places that there I would have never, ever gone as a soloist. And um, he's taken our music to people that I will never sing in front of. And I, I'm just so proud of him. And I really do hope that, that he continues to, to grow in that. That coming from the man who was featured in a group ad, the group that he's currently with, <laughs> when uh, the, the Fan Award nominations uh, ad came out. Favorite bass, Pat Barker, because he's all we got. Yeah. You know. And I wrote that. <laughs> I, I, then, oh, no doubt. No and doubt. Then for favorite group, I put Triumphal Quartet. Why even try? <laughs> <laughs> but there was a benefit to that. People started talking about Pat Barker. People started talking about the Guardians. It's amazing what captures people's attention today. And uh, let's talk a little bit about you're with the Guardians now who work uh, uh, 
a lot of major concerts, but uh, the manager and owner of the group, Dean Hickman, he's become a master at making sure there is a good balance of quartet time and family time. Absolutely. And uh, he uh, he also believes that uh, sometimes saying a little mm-hmm. says a lot. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you know exactly what I'm talking sure. about there. So when you, when you see the Guardians these days, um, he's made the choice – to let you branch out a little bit more than just saying he's he's you're he's letting you do more of the MC work, which is scary. I'll admit, it's very scary, very scary. Uh, the other groups are saying the same Mark thing. We have Mark Hale running the sound in the back. He, his finger is on the mute button yep. at all times. Right. In fact, if you look at his fingertip, you can see the M U T E where it's yeah, been, where it's been but, tattooed. But again, now this is this is all going back to the plan that you spoke of earlier. Now. Because Dean has done that, everything that you watched as a kid going forward suddenly has come into play now. And yeah. you're, you're calling up those little tidbits of things that you saw and heard, and you're using them now. Absolutely, yes. And, and, and I'm very – I told somebody the other day, I said I'm much more comfortable calling the program than I am singing the program. I have never uh, – and this is not being trying to be fake, humble – I've never been – confident in my ability to sing bass i've never walked on the stage confident in my singing abilities i'm way more confident calling a program talking to the crowd just kind of being relaxed and enjoying myself out there that i love that's that's where i'm my most comfortable um and so sometimes I would tend to talk too much, and I'd have to pull back. And Dean was always very honest about, hey, well, let's try this, let's try this. He's been an unbelievable boss and mentor and really has let me kind of spread my wings a little bit. And he's given me a lot of freedom uh, that I had not had before. And honestly, I don't think I was ready for it back in the day. I wasn't ready for it with Mark. I, I certainly wasn't going to talk uh, when Gerald has the microphone. There's no point. I mean, Gerald's the master. Um and then with the Cathedral Family Reunion, you got five managers up there. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna step forward and try to call the shots. <laughs> so it's it's been a wonderful opportunity for me to um, branch out a little bit and and use some of the things I did study early on. Has Dean ever come to you after a concert and says, "I don't know if I'd try that one again"? <laughs> yeah, he said, "You know, that didn't go over as well as you thought it did." <laughs> And yeah, I've gotten that a few times. There is sheer honesty for you right there. <laughs> you know, uh, one of my favorite sayings uh, is uh, life experience is gospel music's best friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you well know, uh, not everybody has a perfect life every day. No. Uh, but your personal experience, uh, gospel music has gotten you through some tough days. Absolutely. And um, you've been very open about a period of your life that um, literally would have uh, taken some people completely off the road. But you you managed to get through that, come back, and um, that's also been very instrumental in the the way that you can deal with people uh, out here on the road. You you have something in common with some of these folks. And uh, if you're not aware of what we're talking about, I'll give Pat an opportunity to, to, to touch on that just sure. a little bit. Yeah, I'll be quick. Um, when I was with Mark Trammell, uh, we had moved to Gadsden. We had left Pensacola, and, and uh, 
and for almost that entire time with Mark, my marriage was not in a good place. Um, I was gone 200 plus days a year. Um, we had three kids. Um, things just weren't great. And I probably, um, in hindsight, if I was just going to sit here and say I would have done this different or that different, um, probably stayed on the road too long. But there was a point where I thought, you know, I've got to come off the road if I'm going to uh, try to save this marriage. And so um, I did. I came off the road. It broke my heart because I loved what I was doing. Um, But I was just raised, you do everything to save your family, you know. And so I came home and felt like everything was moving in the right direction. Came home in May. Uh, This has been five years now. And in October, my dad passed away uh, suddenly. And that was a crushing blow because, again, I didn't have singing to fall back on. I had gone back to taking school pictures and just kind of doing the regular thing. And um, and then just a couple of months after that, my wife had given me a letter. And in short, it just said she was moving on with her life. It wasn't going to include me. Um, and I was devastated. I really did feel like, okay, so... I'm not going to be able to really do church work anymore. There's going to be too many churches who say um, we can't have someone divorced, which I don't, you know, I don't blame them for that. That's just their policy. Um, the, the attitude of the fans is going to be different now um, because I, I come home to save my family and now I'm divorced. What are they going to think? All of these things come into your mind when you go through something like that. And I was going to have the kids all the time. So now I'm homeschooling. Because the few times I did sing, they would have to be with me. Um, so they would come with me on those second half dates or um, the hymn sing dates that Gerald would let me do, the occasional cathedral reunion thing. or They'd be with me. You know, they were, they were making the trips to St. Louis and Marion and all over the country, you know, Indiana. And, um, and so I thought, you know what? I have seen too many people go through this, and they go through it alone, and they hide it. And I'm just going to put it out there, and I'm going to let God do what he does best. And so I did. I put it on Facebook. I was very honest. And um, and I started sharing it as a testimony. I, it, it would take me three or four minutes to share what had happened in my life and what God was doing. Um, and people started coming to the table. My grandson is going through the exact same thing. What Bible verse are you using that's helping you? My, I went through this, and now I'm married again, and we're at 20 years now. I, every night, people were coming to the table uh, by the dozens saying, I've been through this. You can get through this. I, I was overwhelmed by the number of people who had been through the same thing and people who had been through much worse than what I had been through. Um, and to see what God did where I thought, I'm not going to be able to do this again. That season of my life is over. I'm not going to be able to travel again. And then to see it was really in those last five years that I've been able to sing with all those men that taught me early on. I've been able to be closer to my kids than I would have ever been before. And now God's put me in a situation where I'm traveling about 70, 75 days a year, and then I'm able to be home uh, the rest of the time take my kids to school. Yesterday I watched my daughter play dodgeball at the school. I mean, I'm going to go have lunch uh, with my son tomorrow. I'm 
I'm with uh, my wife now. Uh, I was married three years ago to my college sweetheart. Um, We reconnected on Facebook. And um, so to see what God did in that five years, it just it, it made my favorite verse be, I will work out all things for the good to those who love me, to those who are the called according to my purpose. Everything will work out for the good. To know that he began a good work in me and that he would finish that good work, I never saw that become more real than when I went through that deepest part. The best way to sum up Pat Barker right now is this. You're in a good place in life Absolutely. right Absolutely. And you're having more fun than you've ever had before. Yes. And uh, getting to do exactly what you've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You're getting to spend time with your family. Uh, everything is, is, is just rolling along at a, at a great pace. Where do you see yourself in, say, 10 years from now? I don't know. Um, honestly, if I'm still doing this, great. Uh, if I'm not, great. Um, the Lord has ordered my steps, and I'll walk in that and uh, try to stay close to him, do what his will is. And honestly, uh, in James, my favorite book of the Bible, um, it says, don't don't say I'm going to do this tomorrow or that tomorrow because we don't know. So whatever God has for me, I'll take it. That That's fine with me. If it's singing, praise the Lord. Um, if it's you know, going overseas and teaching people. If it's teaching a Sunday school class and having a nine to five, if it's where God wants me, that is exactly where I want to be. Well, Pat Barker is our guest today on Danny's Diary, the podcast powered by Singing News Magazine. And uh, Pat, I'm going to throw out some names to you right now. Yes. And I, oh, oh, he, he said part. that. He said that. See, with I listen too to much. all of your podcasts. I'm ready. Well, I appreciate <laughs> that. So, so here we go. Don't uh, say Troy Peach. Okay. The first name that we're going to throw out to you right now is Randy Shellnut, senior. Senior, a talented. Wow, is he talented and an unbelievable boss. He was great to work with. He was one of those guys I could watch him work a crowd call a program he was a master at making everyone very comfortable he can play anything he can sing anything he can build airplanes and then he can get in it and fly the airplane (laughs) which there's no way i might build one just for kicks but you're not going to test it it. (laughs) no no i ain't tested it i mean he he really is he's he's one of my favorite people um this gentleman is no longer with us, but uh, he's he's had a big impact on uh, both of us. Les Beasley. Oh goodness, legendary gentleman. Um, Les was hilarious. Yes, he was. First time I moved to Pensacola, I was talking to uh, my wife then, and I was at the Walmart, and I said, "Okay, what do I need to get?" You know, where we were just staying in a little hotel that we had not found a place yet, and I'm on the phone with her and Les Beasley was in the Walmart and I had sung with Les with the diplomats a hundred times and I whispered Les Beasley's in the Walmart what's Les doing in a Walmart like that's Les Beasley doesn't he have people to go to the Walmart I mean I just saw Les Beasley as this larger than life character and any chance I got to talk to Les I took it I mean he was just he was fantastic he he was hilarious but extremely wise oh goodness yes Almost any man that traveled with him 
said they learned more from him than than any other group they sang with or any other person that mentored them. They learned more from Les than than anybody. Right, and and all of us have our favorite Les Beasley story and our Les our Lesisms. <laughs> we ha- there's thousands of those. Yes. All right, another name, uh, Gerald Wolf. Um, encourager. He's probably my 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 biggest encourager. Um, when I was listening to Symphony of Praise, and I'm hearing Gerald Wolf sing Champion of Love, and I'm watching him sing The Longer I Serve Him, and then I see him start Greater Vision with Mark, and um, he, he, he was gospel music to me, uh, still is. And so when he was really the first one to call and say, we've got to do something to get you out there, um, would you be able to do a handful of dates if I started this group and called it something, I just want you to be out there. Second Half Quartet literally was started by Gerald so that I could just stay out there a little bit. Um, and then he put me on the hymn sing. He did everything he could to assist me in staying out there in front of the people. And um, what an encourager. I didn't see that coming. I'm just honest with you. Mm-hmm. When you see somebody you know larger than life like that, you don't think they're going to give you a second thought. Um, but to go to that much trouble to make sure that I stayed out there and I sang and still to this day, just a, I mean, he's a dear, dear friend. Mm-hmm. Here's a name that uh, I'm sure you've got plenty of stories about, Corey Pearson. All right, uh, get the edit button ready there, Troy. Um, talented, he's the most talented guy, I think, on planet Earth. Like, he's hilarious. And I think people see how funny he is, and he acts like you know a complete idiot on Facebook, and you know when he's talking to his mama and he's doing all of these things. People don't know how talented Corey is. I, I guarantee you, Corey is right now at his studio doing demos. He's playing every instrument. He's singing every part. He's tuning it because he can't sing on pitch, and. He's sending it out to all these singers and songwriters and record companies, and and then he's going to go set up the sound system for his family to sing. He's going to drive the bus. He's going to lead worship at his church. Yep. He's he's just unbelievably talented and and the dearest friend I've got out there. There is Corey. only one Corey Pearson. Thank and the Lord. We're both thankful for <laughs> we're that, all thankful. And, but we're also, we could use a few more. We could, but right. but we're too scared to try it out. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> you know, you mentioned uh, a lot of the things that Corey does. Uh, uh, you know, it does help to be multi-talented in gospel music today. You know, before... Uh, if you were if you could sing, you know that's all you really had to do. Right. Well, now things have changed a they little have bit. Changed. You know, think about all the different roles. Uh, yeah, somebody in the group uh, who who sings may also be in charge of uh, social media. Right. Uh, they may be in charge of taking care of the bus. They may be in charge of what? What, what else do you do with the guardians? Um, I make sure we have plenty of Fiji water and nutty bars. Other than that, they don't really want me to do anything else. <laughs> There no, are there are that. there are some days I'm sorry I ask a yeah. question. Uh, this they, may be one they, of them. They let me help with social media. I, I do the majority of Facebook, and uh, I don't do much on Twitter. I should. I just that's not a format that interests me. But I really do need to do more do more on Twitter and Instagram. But I do a lot of the Facebook stuff for 
uh, for them and YouTube and try to get videos out. And they let me do that. And then, of course, the MC work and calling the program and that kind of stuff. But you're right. Like John Rousey, he writes 90% of the songs. He plays the piano for us. He does the arranging and the producing. And then he sings lead. So you, you really do have to have more than just one trick in the bag mm-hmm. nowadays you you have to either learn how to do some more stuff or you better be equipped to do it uh, when you get on board where's gospel music headed um i think it's headed in a great direction but i've always thought that i've always in every decade that i have listened to gospel music i have thought we have got the most talented people and we do when I listen to the stuff in the 70s with the Happy Goodmans and the Hensons and the Spears, that's unbelievable music. But then you move into the 80s when you don't think it can get any better, and we have the cathedrals, and we have the emergence of Gold City, and groups like the Greens and the Magruders and all of these, the McCameys start making them. And you're thinking, wow, I don't believe it's going to get any better than this. Well, <laughs> then come the 90s, then come the, the 2000s and the 2010s, and now we've got the Collingsworth family. We have the Perrys. I love working with the Perrys. I'm not, I'm not saying this because Troy's there, but I love seeing what they do, hearing their songs, their classic stuff that they can pull out at any time, and then their new stuff. I'm telling you, it's just I think every decade gets better and better and better, and there are people who disagree with that. And that's fine. I understand their arguments. But for a fan, because I'm a fan first, um, for me, it just gets better and better. And it's reaching a bigger audience than it had ever reached before. Mm -hmm. When you have Southern gospel groups getting millions of people watching, millions of views, that would have never, ever been possible in the 80s and the 90s. But now the music is literally all over the world and so i just see it getting bigger and bigger so what can we do to get those millions of people how can we get them out to the friday night concerts how can we how can we get them to experience southern gospel music live you know that that that, you know there's it's a rhetorical question but it's also a question that we're all asking right now you know like you said our music's in front of more people than ever before what can we do to make that even better it's up to the artist to work harder okay i think a lot of times artists have a um a mentality of you know when we go in the studio now i hear this a lot oh we'll just fix that in the mix or we'll tune that out or we'll we'll do this we'll fix that and it's caused a lot of artists to kind of sit back and go well somebody else will fix that and it's made us lazy i say us because i'm in that too um it's made us lazy, and I, and I don't think the people in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s were lazy. Uh, they were doing two hours, two and a half hours of concerts with live music. They didn't have all the tracks. I think we've gotten kind of complacent. It's up to the artist to work harder at their craft. It's up to, to the promoter to take advantage of social media, to take advantage of YouTube, to take advantage of all the things that are before them now that are free Used to, they had to pay all of this money for TV and newspapers, and we still want to do all that. We still want to do the radio, but take advantage of social media, and then it's up to the fan to spread the word, to 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 make gospel concerts a big deal again. Because now I, I hear, I was going to come, but I was 
cooking a casserole. You you wouldn't have said that in the 80s. You would have said, oh, I've got to go see so-and-so because this is the only time they're going to be here this year. Mm -hmm. So we've got to all work together. And I think if we do that and build the excitement from within and then the artists give the promoter what they need, the tools they need to make it successful, if everybody's in on it 100%, um, it can't fail. It can't fail. I've seen little kids sit there bored to death, and three songs in, they're clapping and cheering and standing, and Mama's got her arm around them, and she's got her hand up in the air, and people of all ages are having fun. When you do this music right, um, people will laugh, people will cry, uh, people will be moved, um, people will lives will be changed. If you do it right on all levels, um, there's no way this music can lose. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. It, it's not going to lose. Our guest today has been Pat Barker of The Guardians. Before we leave, Pat, any last words of wisdom? <laughs> I don't have first words of wisdom, <laughs> much less last. And with that, we sign off on this episode of Danny's Diary. Our engineer today has been Troy Peach, music by Eli Fortner. Be watching for the next episode of Danny's Diary.